Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to a beautiful podcast. I'm your host, Spring Developer Advocate Josh Long, and this show is all about the real heroes behind Spring and its ecosystem. Hi, Spring fans. Welcome to another installment of a beautiful podcast. How are you this fine Thursday afternoon? Uh, as I record, this is actually Thursday, but uh, for for a lot of people that are going to hear this right after it's released, it's very early in Thursday because I'm recording it from Singapore. So um, it's actually probably closer to uh, midday Wednesday for a lot of people uh, as I record this and not nearly uh, as close to Friday as it is for a lot of people. Um, I am recording this from Singapore, which is actually a fairly new development. I wasn't sure I was going to be here, uh, but I'm I'm in Southeast Asia this these next few weeks uh, for you know visits and community events and so on. Um, I'm I've my time here in Singapore has passed, but uh, I'll be heading to to Malaysia and and then off to Thailand. So if you're in that area, and you're in the spring community, uh, reach out to me on Twitter as usual at Starbucks Man. I'm always happy to connect. Maybe there's uh, an opportunity uh, for you to come see one of my talks, and uh, you know I, either way I'd like to connect. Um, it's been a crazy week. Like I said, this all came together really quickly. We weren't even sure if we're going to be able to, to get here, uh, uh, but I'm here. I'm here at actually. You know, I'm actually in Singapore. I've gotten on the flight, traveled across the planet. Uh, that was a 17-hour flight, which is um, to be avoided, if I'm honest. That was not a lot of fun, but we did it. We're here. And good thing, too, because it's awesome here. It's been so great. Uh, we, we, you know, I'm, I'm here with my partner, Tammy. We've missed the food, uh, and it's just really good to be here. And uh, that's my personal excitement. But, of course, there's just been a ton of other excitement um, uh, this last week since we last spoke where I was in uh, Las Vegas for Java One, uh, and now I'm here. And uh, in the intervene, intervening days, we've got the new Spring Boot uh, 3.0 RC1 release. We've got uh, all the new stuff that's in there. Just a lot of like really nice refinements, my friends. Remember, we're marching towards a new generation of Spring Boot that includes Java uh, 17 as a baseline. It includes the Jakarta EE 10 uh, APIs. It includes uh, the new AOT engine. And the AOT engine, I think, is causing some confusion for people. Right now, there are three ways you can run uh, and uh, and compile a Spring Boot application. There's the regular, traditional, classic behavior that we all, we, we've always used, right? And that's just what you get if you take a Spring Boot application in your IDE and then just choose Run. There's also the AOT mode. And, you can, and what that does is it short circuits. It does a lot of the injection and, and reflection and all that stuff. That gets done at compile time. It generates classes that get then dumped out into the into the build class path. Uh, and then those are used to short circuit, to bootstrap the application at runtime, skipping a lot of the ingest and reflection and so on. So as a result in a binary that is a, a lot smaller because it doesn't have all these extra uh, types and dependencies in the class path, but also a lot faster uh, because it just skips a lot of the work that it has to do normally at startup time. That AOT mode can be uh, dramatic uh, in terms of improvements uh, in performance, even when running on the Java runtime, right? Just regular Jerry code. So it's it's compile time reflection that you run at runtime, and that's fast, right? Um, and this is a bit sort of like, um, uh, you know, Dagger, right? Android, uh, there's a dependency injection mechanism called Dagger that people use from from the last decade, and this is similar to that, I suppose, in, in theory, right? A lot of the work is being done at uh, compile time. You can take that same AOT mode JRE application and instead compile it and run it on GraalVM. So it's using the same 
optimized code, the same 15 to 20, the code that results in like a 15 or 10% reduction in uh, startup time on the JRE now results in an order of magnitude faster reduction uh, in, in startup time um, uh, when running GraalVM, right? So an application that might have taken 1.2 seconds on regular JRE with reflection in AOT mode on the JRE might take a second and then in GraalVM might take, you know, point, point, uh, 0.085, you know, uh, seconds, right? So 85 milliseconds, um, uh, which is great, which is a substantial reduction in time, right? 85 milliseconds is 85 one thousandths of a second, right? Really, really substantial uh, uh, improvement in speed there. And that's just all, you know, that's all coming in Spring Boot 3 and you can try that out now. So we'd love for you to try it out. Get the new bits, go to start.spring.io uh, and let us know, you know, if you just take your application, try to make it work and then do Maven um, uh, native colon compile. Uh, there's an equivalent thing for uh, Gradle as well. And by the way, that's the other thing that you may have noticed is that start.spring.io has now defaulted uh, to Gradle, right? Gradle is um, not the most prolific build tool, but the Spring Boot and Spring Initializer team believes it to be of substantial uh, benefit for the average build. And so it's the default. There's no uh, indication that we're going to drop support for Maven or anything like that. Uh, quite the contrary, but you know, we think for the default apps that, we're, that are being built uh, today, the, the sort of default scenario should be uh, to use Gradle. So go to start.spring.io. <laughs> um, there's a lot of opportunity here, my friends, but we need your help. We need you to validate uh, that what we're doing has worked for you. These are big leaps forward. These are not just simple, small strides, uh, incremental evolutions. These are revolutionary changes, right? A brand new paradigm for the way we build applications. So try it out, kick the bits, um, and let us know. We're also gearing up for Spring 1. Spring 1 is 6 to 8 December in sunny San Francisco. It's not that sunny, but bring your hoodie, right? Bring your hoodie. It's going to be, you know, it'll be fine. It's not going to be that cold. It won't be that warm. It's just fine. Whereas most of the world will be buried in snow or at least a good large chunk of the world will be buried in snow. Um, around that time in San Francisco, you can expect just shorter days. You know, the days will be, uh, you know, seven to seven to five or something like that, right? Uh, daylight. Um, but otherwise, it's it's not particularly inclement weather. It's just colder there's a wind so you, you, you bring a hoodie you'll be fine uh, and that's gonna be great that's gonna be a chance to learn about all these new revolutionary changes uh from the source right from the people that are working on it day in and day out and not just uh and not for nothing it's not just a chance to learn from these people it's also the first chance to learn from these people since the pandemic right uh the last time we all convened together was in austin texas in 2019 which is an incredibly long time ago right that'll we, we've gone three years uh without being able to congregate and uh, and see each other. So I'm very excited. All of us are excited to uh, have that chance. Go to springone.io, register now. We'd love to see you there. Um, I love learning from the source. That's the whole, that's the core conceit of this podcast is to bring together, uh, you know, the really smart people that are working on the amazing things uh, and, uh, and and us, you and me, the audience and the and me, the, the hopefully your, your astute proxy in this conversation. Uh, so that we can learn, right? And today, my friends, today is no different. Today, we're going to talk to uh, spring mad scientist Andy Clement. Uh, he's been on the show before, uh, you know, <laughs> begrudgingly, haltingly, but he has been on the show. Um, and, uh, you know, he's great. He's I've, I've talked about him in at great length in numerous episodes before, but 
he's one of those people that just does amazing things behind the scenes. So, for example, if you ever used the Spring Expression language, you can thank him for that. Or if you've ever used the Aspect J support for AOP, you can thank him for that. If you've ever used the Spring Tool Suite, there's a you know a lot of that bears his uh, mark as well. If you've ever used um, the the new AOT engine, a lot of that started with the work that he was doing in Spring Native, right? So he's just a really well placed uh, uh, person in the Spring team. Does a lot of stuff that just makes everybody's lives better, uh, but he does it quietly and with with modesty. That I think is, you know, he doesn't need to be so quiet or so modest. This is why I'm here is to make sure people find out about him because I think he's just amazing. Um, so with that, my friends, let's just dive right into it. I want you to uh, listen to this amazing uh, conversation, learn something as I always do, and uh, and with that, I uh, I'll see you next week. And that by that point, I'll be in Malaysia. Um, so yeah, read me on Twitter. you uh i can't not i think it's just down the road from me because yeah, i'm in vancouver really... i don't like taking two planes to get anywhere but really it's just a couple of hours you can drive you know it's not do you know how long that drive is two days i mean <laughs> well it's, a, it's no, so you can um if you go to oregon if you go to like portland oregon which is like north of Oregon, yeah yeah that's about two hours and that's you can do that in 17 15 16 17 hours so you leave six, get there by like nine or something like that, six a.m. to nine p.m., and then you just have Washington in the way, right? What is that? That's another six hours, I guess. I don't know. I have no idea. It's a very small state, right? Let me see. Um, I, I mean, should go. I haven't seen the team in person for forever, and the team is bigger than it ever was because it yes. grew during COVID. Nothing stopped the team growing. No, and, so. I, and that's the other. Thing. I think you and I were you were saying, all right, maybe that's. I don't know everybody. No. Right. I see some names. I'm like, oh, wait. Oh. Are you? There was a time it was so small. I knew everybody and met everybody on a regular basis. Yeah. Now, and, and and you know me, I do my level-headed best to like get photos of people. Oh, I know that. Fact, my own files, I can just remember and 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 um, keep uh, keep track of everything. But man, they, uh, there's just more people. We're growing uh, like like a weed, uh, which is not a great metaphor for something based on the season of rejuvenation. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we're growing real fast. I can't wait to, I, w- I can't wait. That's spring one, 2022, for those of you tuning in. And I'm talking to Andy Clement. <laughs> so I, I'm a director on the uh, spring team. Although I did, I still have my commit rights unless someone's taken them away on the, on the open source projects. Yeah, that, <laughs> the day they take away your commit rights is the, is the day they also take away like, you know, uh, Jurgen and Dave Sire and Phil Webbs and, you know, all these other, uh, as spring as you can get names, you know. Um, I'm not writing as much code as I used to, though. Um, well, but, it, uh, you know, they kind of, well, I mean, you're you're not as much as you used to is still most people's full day of code, you know. <laughs> I, I don't quite. I miss I, being I, deep in the weeds on Spring Native, which I was up until like six months ago. Yeah. Um, well, as I'm saying, I, I, so I, I like comic books, right? And in comic books, um, what it's sort of one of those things, it's like movies, you know, if you go into movies, if you're a creator and you go into create movies, uh, they, there are some artists that work a whole career and they never get, they just make a living. It's enough to pay the bills and keep the lights on, but they're not rich, you know? Uh, same thing for people who are actors and stuff like that, right? There's some people are just, it's a, they're, it's a working, it's a, it's a, it's a living, right? It's just a job that you do. Uh, and then some people are like George Clooney, right? Who 
broke all the records and whatever, or, or, or whatever, you know, any name from the last, uh, like 70, 80 years of, of cinema, right? There's some big breakout names that will endure beyond their years. Where is so, this comparison going, Josh? Well, in the comic world, there are some people that just earn a living, then there's some people that are that that are still in the industry, but they don't need to be because they're all comfortable, you know? And um, and so every now and then they come back and they do a series. They don't do like 10 issues or something, just to remind people that they're still there. But they don't, you know, these are not the kind of people that you chain to the desk uh, and get them to do uh you know 30 pages every month for a decade they're just not interested they have no need to do it and they usually have higher level responsibilities um uh anyway so they're, they're they they they're there and they're and whenever they do whenever they come back and deign to bless us with some uh some content you know it sells like hotcakes it's great and i just kind of you kind of remind me of that you know like you you came back for spring native i remember the last couple of years i've seen just a crap ton of amazing stuff coming from from you uh uh around the gravium stuff uh, but you are, like you just said, a director, right? You're you. Uh, yes, I'm in meetings all the time. But I quite like that comparison. I do. I get a bee in my bonnet about something that needs doing, and I will do the best I can to make that happen. I think back to like doing the compiler for Spell. I didn't need to do that. Spell was going all right, but yeah. someone said we've got this problem with Spell. It's just too slow. Being spring integration, wasn't it? Uh, yes, it was spring integration use cases that were coming in. I remember and that. I thought, I know how to do that. I really want to do that. Let me try and find a time for that. And that's that was that. And then, then Spring Native was the most recent case of that. And that one took a lot longer, I think, the Spring Native stuff. That's Oof, a, it's still going. Yeah. <laughs> that one's a, that, I think that's going to, I don't know if people, I don't know how much inside baseball we can give people, but we've had several rotations of people that have put in, you know, 120% for like six months in a row on the Gravium AOT yeah. stuff in teams and then they kind of like they have to step away right it's just it's a lot and it's not something they can not not something any well, they have they have day this. jobs too like the portfolio oh, yeah. guys have got work on the next release spring data spring security right yeah yeah um and, and so a lot of people have like put in like 120 percent of the best of the best you know effort and code and output and all that but then they break away and go back to civilian life or whatever you know re doing other things you know it's just like this one of the, one of these things where you, you've got to have a lot of really really amazing people as quick as possible working on this stuff. And so we've made huge leaps and bounds, you know, and I've always been impressed by that effort because it's not the same team. The, pe the people that started working on this when we started doing the skunk work stuff in what, 2018 or whatever. Uh, no, it's moved on now. And in some ways I'm sad because Spring Native always had a shelf life where it was gonna die. Uh, it was never gonna get to 1.0. Yeah. The plan was always for it to fade away. And uh, as the boot and framework teams got involved with it more and started migrating it into there, I became more disconnected. Um, but it's sad, sad for me, but I feel I had a legacy there that helped set that up for success. And I'm oh, for sure. Of that. Yeah, I, I see your code every day. It's just, it lives in different packages now. Like it's conceptually, a lot of the things that people know about Spring Native are gonna work the same. It's not the same code. Obviously the contract is a little bit different. But basically, the, the the instincts you'll have if you if you know Spring Native will serve you, actually so well in fact that it's a bit of a problem because there are some things that where the those instincts don't lead you in the right direction, and so you have to unlearn those. You know, there's a few things, just a couple here and there, right? If it was like wholly different, then that actually might be better in some ways because you wouldn't you, you wouldn't take for granted that you already know what what's about to happen. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. But uh, conceptually, I think Spring Native got most of the picture. 
uh, right. You know, and, uh, I mean, we were always working on the outside of our framework and boot. So there yeah. were things we couldn't do because we couldn't get into the heart of it. But now they can get into the heart of it. They can right. do things in an even better way. And yeah, and also, I, I mean, I, again, concept from the surface level, from the, forget about the implementation, from the surface level, it's not that different, except for one thing, right? Um, code generation. Yeah. The whole AOT code generation thing is just blows my mind, you know? There was code generation happening before in native, but it was very much, it felt like a very much an internal implementation detail, but now it's exposed for the user to see and, and, and work with if they want, you know? There was even the basics of that in early wow. versions of Spring. There was like Spring components generation. That's many releases old, but they'd never gone this far before, but yeah. it really enables native to do an easy, have an easier time of things. Yeah. When we oh, go full sure. on with Spring AOT. So I'm really excited for that stuff. Me too. And I can't, I, I keep thinking about all the, like all the use cases, you know, uh, somebody was asking me the other day, Hey, what if I wanted to do something at compile time uh, based on the um, component in my Spring context, but I, it needs to happen at compile time. And I was like, well, this isn't exactly what you're looking for, but this does it. You have now a compile time phase in AOT. And what they wanted to do was register. It wasn't uh, Java code, right? They wanted to do some like, I don't know what it was. They went, maybe they wanted to feed into an XML file. I don't know, something where they were, they had to put something in place at compile time so it could be used at runtime. And it meant that they had to sift through all the components in the application context. So this whole like approach that Spring Native pioneered of like starting up a skeleton bean factory that you could then interrogate and then uh, and then use that to generate hints and all that as a side effect. Uh, it I, I'm really excited what that can do for tools because we yeah. in the old days of STS, what we used to have was Spring IDE and it was trying to do what AOT is trying to do. It's trying to fake up how this will look at runtime so right. we can give you a better tool experience. So we knew what beans would be active if you have a particular scope turned on. Um, but it was always a bit of a hack but now we can, with AOT being available, right. the core of Spring Framework, we can build better tools that know exactly yeah. how things are going to be at runtime just after you build the app. All right, so when you talk about like the live, when you talk about the uh, like the health indicator and all that stuff, you can see the live statuses for different things. That's that based on the more modern stuff. Okay, but you're talking back about even in older. the day, in the olden okay. days, we would try and trick Spring into doing a partial initialization of the app context, so we could the tool could try and infer how this might be at runtime so that it could right. tell you what was going on. But yeah, today's SDS4 is not based on that. That's based on running the app and then scraping the actuators and presenting that back in the Right, but it couldn't, oh, the actual, okay, so that's a good point. But I mean, I imagine there's some stuff that could be done without actuators. Oh yeah, with AOT, because the information is there maybe? now without running the app. There's so much ah. smarter things we could do in the ID based on that. So we solved we solved the, the hard part. Now is the easy part. We just need to get all the millions and millions of Spring Boot apps to migrate to 3.0. Yes, and we have technology in that space as well. We, we're yeah, writing yeah. open rewrite recipes. We've got uh, Spring Boot Migrator experimenting in that space to help people yeah. move more easily. I Yeah, I don't know. I The migration, there's not actually, I, I use migrate because I just think of the, whenever I think of moving from one version to another. But yeah, you're right. In this case, there's actually some things people might do well to uh, change, you know. Yeah, I mean, there may be patterns old patterns, and if you slightly tweak that with a simple quick fix, you can get benefit even more from native. Right. So why would yeah. we steer them towards those new patterns? Things like auto configuration, that's in a new place now, right? Uh, the mechanism, so if you're a library developer and you're using auto configuration, 
you need to know there's a auto config that imports not spring factories anymore for for the enable auto configuration bit. Uh, there's AOT that might require some changes to your code, like to get ahead, to take advantage of GraalVM native images. You need to check. You need to provide the runtime some information that might require an annotation here or there. Um, and then Jakarta, the whole Jakarta, Javax dot asterisk moving to Jakarta dot asterisk, right? That whole thing is. I think we already have automation. The simple ones there, like the package yeah. migration, we've already got the open rewrite recipes, the SPM recipes for doing that. Right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, and I, I think the auto config thing, that could be easily enough fixed for in an open rewrite recipe as well. That kind of stuff is. Oh, yeah. It's yeah. just finding the time to do all this right. on the top right. of also enabling the whole Spring portfolio to support native and all the third party libraries behind that. Right. Yeah. So that's, but all that stuff, if you're running, if you're running an app, if you're not your own, if you're just writing an app that runs in the JRE and you're you're not deploying to GraalVM native images um, and you're not developing your own auto configuration as a library developer, then I think Spring Boot 3 will just work, right? It'll, it seems like it'll just work for all the stuff I've just tested, um, which is saying a lot, given that there's so, all this other stuff that's been added to Spring and to Spring Boot 3 to support, as we just talked about, um, yeah. AOT, you know? Fundamentally, the component model is bigger now, you know? Uh, under the under the covers, really uh, interesting time to be alive. This AOT stuff, you can. I, there's build. It, it, I didn't know about Java Poet. Have you ever used that before? That's the source code generator. Yes, I yeah. have heard of it. That's fantastic. I don't know what the genesis of that project was. I I kind of wonder if they ever used that with uh, Dagger. Did you ever use Dagger? I heard of Dagger, but I'd never used it myself. Yeah. The AOT. Uh, it's a it's a it's like a juice like Google Juice, you know, the dependency injection framework, but it's for Android. And so they did a lot of the, they did a lot of the injections, a lot of the dependency injection was done at compile time, right? Uh, uh, ahead of time, basically, same, same kind of trick, right? Uh, and obviously that meant that there's only a subset of Juice that could be used, but for, for Android apps where you had no dependency injection, that was kind of a nice compromise, you know? Um, and, yeah, I, I, I struggle with those source code generators. I think it's my aspect J days. I yeah. just speak bytecode. I'd so much rather work with bytecode than generate <laughs> source code. But I know it's not right because it's so much easier uh, to debug this stuff when it's, right. it's inscrutable generated for, source code. For the average Jane and Joe developer, yeah. bytecode is inscrutable. I, even I, 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 you know, I've been using Java for 25 plus years and I still don't know all the bytecodes. Uh, so, yeah. Although to be fair, I don't even understand all the source code either at this point. <laughs> the, the grammar is becoming richer than I can. Java's releasing so fast these days, it's scary. Yeah. It's really a lot of work for Aspect J. I used to be able to do one Aspect J release every few years because <laughs> think of the time between eight and 11, Oof. eight and nine, and they were, they were so slow before. <laughs> I mean, seven to, seven to eight, when was, that was About five years or something like that? Hundreds yeah. of years. Yeah. And now every six months, someone raises a request on the Aspect J list saying, when's the next version of Aspect J based on Java 16, 17, 18? And with this new syntax oh. token that the class files have to support it or have a, oh man. But that's okay. That's a good problem to have, right? I mean, surely. You have it is if you have the time to work on it. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Well, in that case, it's a bad problem. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I like, I like the, the Java code stuff. That's really cool. There's code you can use to programmatically write methods and classes, which then get turned into source code, which then you could get fed into the compiler. So you can actually, at compile time, look at the context and dynamically generate or write out new classes in response to things that you see there to reify, to make concrete 
at compile time what would have otherwise been runtime state, you know? And I don't know how exciting that is for the average developer, but trust me, it is, I'm just talking down here, that is super cool, right? Like that is a, there's some amazing possibilities there. Um, and- Yeah, I remember talking to, a, I think it was a security company and they were trying to do analysis of spring code to try and yeah. work out where the vulnerabilities were and they try to do flow analysis. But that's tricky when you don't know how it's gonna be until it runs. Right. But now with AOT, once the app's built with the AOT stuff inside, they can do full analysis and know what the flow is going to be. That's true. And, that, and that's actually a good point. It might be useful for people to explore AOT, even if they have no intention of using GraalVM. Right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Just because it provides a more rigid, baked image of the code uh, before it's ever run. You know? that, and there is some performance benefits. I don't know if that's still... I think there is a little bit, you're moving the reflection that happens at startup to build time. Yeah. It wasn't huge before. Maybe it is now. I don't know. I doubt it. But uh, it's it's still something. It's not about that, though. It's about the rigidity of the the, the code base, you know, the, the, the thing. More that, suitable for native compilation, absolutely. Yeah. And, and inspection, you know, there's more stuff. I don't know how to, yeah, I like that. I like it. It is like more introspect, introspectable. You can yes. tell what's going on just by looking at the built code now. Exactly. Yeah, it's really, really, uh, and actually that might be the best win for a lot of use cases because one of the, there's some issues with GraalVM native images, right? Obviously uh, Java agents are, um, they don't work there. Maybe that's changed, but as far as I know, they don't work on uh, GraalVM, right? I don't think so, but I uh... Yeah, it, I think there was some workarounds in the early days where you could kind of run them, but they, it was never perfect. Never perfect, right? And so uh, I'm sure they'll get there eventually, right? It, there's no way it's not. There's no way it's not on somebody's list. But uh, in the meantime, I was take... I, I, I was pleased with the breakthrough when we got to any for the longest time whenever you tried to build something with native, it would just fail with a horrible internal error. And I remember there was a release that came out while Sebastian and I were working on it. And suddenly you could reach this tipping point where if you put the time in to compute the configuration, anything could be made to work in native. And that was a great breakthrough moment. Suddenly right. everything became possible. Right, it's just a matter of trudging. Working out the configuration you had to provide. Right. And yeah. now, now we spend our time computing that for you or simplifying it so it's not required with AOT. Right. Um, we're in so much better place than we were when I started out with with. Oh yeah, leaps and bounds, and again, what is that? Four years at most, right? Like, yeah, is that. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a world it's a world better and it's getting better by the day. Uh, but for now, there might be some people that say, "Hey, I want the rigidity of AOT, but I still need things like Java agents, so I'll still run on the JRE, and I'll take my ten percent or whatever it is, uh, memory and footprint improvements and RAM and startup time improvements, or whatever. I don't know. So I. 10% sounds like it sounds right. I can't remember what the exact numbers are. Yeah. Right but Whatever. something small like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not huge. Not going to change your cost centers that much. But who knows if you're, you know, Google or whatever, and you're, you save 10% on your RAM usage, that could be not nothing, you know. Uh, but um, but, uh, but that, that gets us to the other thing, which is since Java, I mean, Java agents aren't there. And so much of what we talk about when we talk about observability relies on that hook, that, that mechanism that allows you to plug into the JVM as it's starting up. Um, uh, it's good that we have in Spring Framework 6 and Spring Boot 3, we have the observability, you know, I don't know what we're called, the observation API, right? That whole 
thing around uh, a consistent micro, um, uh, metrics and tracing, uh, you know, being unified into Spring Framework 6. That's cool, right? That'll give us a, a nice thing. So maybe having an open rewrite for that, that kind of stuff will be interesting. I don't There's know. There's going to be so much to learn about at Spring 1. Yeah, exactly. There you go. That's fine. Uh, yeah, uh, Spring One's gonna be good. The other thing is, of course, uh, the platform, right? For I'm for me, I'm always a, I'm a big fan of uh, building apps that get to production. <sighs> and we just talked about all the different things that you can do to make your app behave better in production. But what is production for people these days? Uh, well, I I straddle both camps right now in my current job, so I spend a lot of my time on Tanzu application platform. Looking forward with those Kubernetes based use cases. And then I also work a lot on Azure Spring apps. Or rather, maybe, I don't know how long ago since you talked about it, it used to be Azure Spring Cloud, but then it changed name to Azure Spring apps. I presume you'd heard that. I have. Uh, I don't know if the audience has, and that's a good point. So we had this thing called Azure Spring Cloud, which is not the same as Spring Cloud for Azure. Um, no, and that uh, caused a lot of confusion. No, it right, especially if you've got dyslexia like me sometimes. Um, so Spring Cloud for Azure is, our implementation of the Spring Cloud patterns, the Spring Cloud abstractions in terms of Azure infrastructure. Services, yeah. Yeah, okay. And then Spring Cloud for Azure, uh, Azure Spring Cloud, see, I just did it. Azure <laughs> Spring Cloud was uh, a platform as a service like thing built in cooperation with Microsoft and the Spring team, right? Uh, that makes it just trivial to take a jar and get it in the cloud. Yeah, I think that, that change in name came around because, um, people were starting to think that, oh, this is only for Spring Cloud apps. But right. any Spring app will run well on uh, Azure Spring apps. Yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Very, very nice. And actually, does it work with regular jars? I mean, without Spring? Uh, with the focus is on Spring, but other things work. Uh, for example, if you try out the Acme Fitness uh, sample that the docs point you to, that we worked on with them, that's got other languages inside it. So. Yeah. We call it Azure Spring Apps, but it's based on, you know, Tanzu Build Service using build packs. If there's a build pack for that language included, then it'll work. So I think Acme Fitness has a node app in it, and that will just run just fine. What is, wow, that was loud. Uh, what is the, um, uh, like, we can support, can we do .war, for example, on Azure Spring Cloud? I'm pretty sure we can. I should know this. I only do Spring Boot apps in the... I can't remember the last time I built a war to, to yeah. know the answer to that. Me either. I just wonder. Um, but anyway, that 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 it's it is probably a, a use case for which there's an answer, probably a good answer. I just don't know. Uh, those teams are moving at such breakneck breakneck speeds. It's hard to keep up with all the um, the features. And 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 so lost in the noise of all these cool new features is the fact that they changed the name, right? So Azure Spring Cloud is now Azure Spring Apps. Um, what are the? Can we? I don't even know. Like. Uh, there's also an Azure Spring Apps Enterprise. Right? Yeah, that's the, the most recent big tier. That's where we offer more of the Tanzu components in there. So um, if you think about the standard tier, including some of the open source components for the Spring Cloud patterns, like Spring Cloud Config Server and Service Registry, what we offer with the Enterprise one is more enterprise variants of those. So the things that you may have seen in Tanzu Application Service, there is a special version of service registry based on the open source, but uh, with better security model around it that's offered in uh, Spring Cloud services. So it's right. taking those more enterprise-y versions of those services, and that's what we offer in ASAE, as we call it. Okay. Well, so, I mean, it's, okay. We, so Spring Cloud services, 
what I think of uh, when I think about Spring Cloud services, I think of things like Netflix and Config Server. Yeah, that's actually that's actually in the base tier of Azure Spring apps, right? That's it up. is it is, but it's the open source versions only. Oh uh, right! Oh, so now we're running the the the, the Tanzu variant. Tanzu variant. Uh, okay, well, cool. Um, for example, the we've rewritten the config server to be more Kubernetes based and it's called App application configuration service is the name of it in um, ASAE. But at its heart, it is using the Spring Cloud config library. It's just using, you know, Kubernetes reconcilers to play nicer with the, the Kubernetes that underpins uh, ASAE. Uh, that we've created other benefits by doing that in that um, if you move your app to ASE, you don't need the Spring Cloud config client side library anymore. So you may remember that when normally when you use config server, you would use client side library and the server side service. But with ASE, your ACS app config service will just run and you don't need, if you've got it there, it's harmless because we deactivate it, but it, you don't actually need it to get the benefits of a configuration server. That, that Spring Cloud pattern that everybody loves. Um, so the key ones in there, there's a uh, app config service, there's service registry, and there's Spring Cloud gateway. Oh. Yeah. Okay, that's the core stuff. And, and then of Plus course- the API, API portal is in there now as well. That's in- What's the API portal? API portal is for viewing the APIs that have been surfaced through your Spring Cloud gateway, and you can kind oh. of browse them uh, exercise them if you want. You could run them with some test data to see what you get, responses you get. That's so cool. That's so cool. Um, and so that's in the enterprise stuff? Yes. The, the, the API server and the gateway stuff. Yeah. Um, you get VSR there as well, of course, the VMware Spring Runtime. VMware Spring Runtime, so you get- I was going to say, it's the extended support, support for, for the Spring portfolio as a whole. See, that's what I was, that's why I was asking about the um, that long way around, circumlocutously, I was, I was asking about that because I wouldn't mind, like if I had an old .war, you know, non-Spring Boot or, or maybe even Spring Boot with .war, or if I had an old, even non-Spring Boot app that I could deploy, a standard .war, um, then I would love to be able to deploy that to Azure Spring apps and have uh, VMware keep the lights on, right? Like, I, like it's, an, it's an app that I want deployed. I need somebody to scale it up and, and balance it and all that. So the Azure Spring uh, the, the VMware Spring Runtime support, having support for Tomcat and for the Java distribution, which is, you know, all that is like part and parcel of my application. It has a footprint. Things could go wrong. It's written by human beings. There's going to be bugs, you know. Um, hopefully not, but it happens. Uh, having identification happen. for that, not identification. I don't know what the right word is, but having support for that, right? Having somebody yep. you can call at two in the morning. Don't call me, but you super do. valuable, right? Like, yeah. Um, not, even if you're not building the brand new microservice suite or whatever, you know, new platform with the latest and greatest Spring Boot and Spring Cloud and all that stuff, even if you're just using uh, a .war that deployed to Tomcat six, 10 years ago, you know, something like that. Um, being able to get Microsoft and, and uh, the Spring team to manage that for you is, <laughs> I, I think that'd be very persuasive. What, so can you buy the VMware Spring Runtime support separately? Of course, you can buy it separately. I think it's on spring.io under support. You can find out how to get in touch with us on that. Yeah, but I think getting that plus the Azure Spring app support, you know. Getting it free with ASAE just seems the thing to do. We have, a lot of people like that they can just bring their Spring apps to ASAE and just run them. And we've spent a lot of time to make sure if they are using those open source components in their Spring Cloud setups, they can just move to ASAE, switch on the managed versions of those services and just run their apps as before. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's, it's, it's even more compelling 
if you're on Microsoft Azure, uh, oh, yeah. because your timings and your latencies and all that stuff, all these things that you've tested that are non-functional requirements, but still very important, you know, those like all that stuff, your, your authentication rules, all that stuff will just basically still work. Heck, you might even be able to keep your database. You know, you could, there are certain things that are uh, exposed to apps running on Azure Spring apps through bindings, but those things are, you know, that doesn't, there's not, there's not bindings necessary for all the sum total of things that are possible to run on Azure. So for example, you can get SQL Server through the binding, but you know, there's other things that you might just want to create an instance of on Azure and connect to, and you can, mm -hmm. it's all still in cloud, right? So you're just letting Azure Spring apps manage the running of your service, all the infrastructure, all the data that still stays where it is as it is uh, and so on. So yeah, I'm a big fan. I don't know what the numbers are, but it, it, the thing I had heard before was that that other cloud vendor in Redmond in Seattle, that area, they were number one in terms of market share. Uh, and then Azure was solid number two, right? Um, and I and it's trending in the right direction, I think. I, I, last I checked, I don't know, uh, in terms of Azure. Uh, I, I think it is. Yeah. yeah. Um, so it just makes more sense. You know, it just seems very nice to be uh, well-situated in that ecosystem because it's huge, you know, there's a huge. Um, not, it, not through anything I've done, of course, but we have a lot of customers, right? And uh, uh, some that I know we can talk about because we put them in a blog with permission. Uh, we've got Bosch, Digital Realty, FedEx, Kroger, Leantis, Morgan Stanley, National Life, Rallies, Swiss Re. I mean, just huge, huge names. And these are companies that can afford any solution they want as long as they deemed it to fit the bill and they chose uh, Azure Spring apps, you know? Um, and we're not finished yet. It's not like ASA is done. There are more terms of components that we're looking to bring over. I think we've shared some of those roadmaps as what people might expect to see, things like uh, App Live View and App Accelerator from Tanzu. What is that? Uh, App Live View is for, uh, it works well with Spring Apps. It's for surfacing what's on the actuator endpoints. So you can see what beans are in my Spring App, you know, what uh, request mappings are there, how are my threads behaving, what's the memory usage like. And uh, we've very recently been doing some work to surface that data inside your IDE. So I, if you've seen STS4, you know that um, there is a basic model there for surfacing live actuator data from apps. But we're also, yeah. if your app is running inside one of these platforms, ASAE or uh, inside TAP, you'll now be able to see that data, not only in the dashboards that ASAE provides, but also in your IDE. So cool. So it's integrated. And actually, for IDE these days is... Spring Tool Suite or Visual Studio Code. Yep. Um, well, if you're, it, you would you tell me, and I'll just, I'll follow you. Can I call Visual Studio Code an IDE, or is it still to like a text editor plus plus? Where I think it's way beyond a text editor now. Yeah, but uh, I I love the approach it's taking of not trying to be bloated. Like it's right. got its own style of minimalist, but it can still Reason. achieve IDE like tasks. So I love it for that reason because it keeps it small and fast. Right. It hasn't developed sentience yet, but you know, give it a few more plugins. And we're actively working with Microsoft on improvements there in the spring tooling space. Right. So I think you and I talked about this before and, and certainly have mentioned that, like so much of the work that we did for the spring tool suite, we reworked uh, as, as a, uh, language oh, server. Is that what you're thinking of? Language servers. Yeah. Yes. I could see it in my head. Yeah, language servers, uh, five, 
issues. Yeah, that was a great breakthrough moment when uh, Microsoft created that language server protocol because then we yeah. could switch to doing things once for all the IDEs rather than individually for each IDE. Right. Um, uh, I think who was I talking? Was I talking to you? Maybe it was, maybe it was talking to Martin. I don't, I don't. I don't remember with whom I was talking, but I always thought it was kind of a pure like we built a language server and there was a well-known hook that we could participate in to layer ourselves on top of the Java language server. And apparently, no, apparently that's like completely, you know, we just, we just, we were just really crafty. We were able to find some way to insert we, ourselves into we the other language. bend server. the protocol, I think, in places. Um, yeah. Because the language server protocol, I think, is defined for the typical operations like you know, compiling an app, reporting right. back problems, reporting back content assist. But in places we wanted to do more than that. And we like the idea of having a separate process that runs that the ID manages and communicates through. Right. But so we've bent the protocol here and there, I think, to achieve other tasks over that same. So stream. does that mean we had to do work with the Java language server? Did we, did, are they in on our-, our You know, our... I think we did do some some small work in the past. Yeah, uh, it's it uses JDT, doesn't it? Eclipse JDT is the one that's used for VS Code. Right. Um, Another Eclipse thing become that has served the Visual Studio Code community well. Um, yes. Yes. I mean, JDT is a really good Java compiler. Yeah. And I'm glad it's seeing new life outside of Eclipse as well in these other use cases like VS Code. One of my all-time favorite examples of that, because because you're right, Eclipse is amazing, but so much of what it's amazing. Uh, about it is all these great little components, right? That feed into other use cases. So obviously I remember for, you know, it's still probably true that if you want to build a nice visual IDE thing, there's the Eclipse uh, platform, right? That That's meant to be usable outside of IDE use cases. So that's kind of interesting. I don't know to what extent they push that use case these days, but- I see less of it these days, yeah. Yeah, I mean, I see less thick, heavy desktop apps in the first place, but if I did, I, I, don't, I don't think, looking like an eclipse would be what I wanted. Um, but there's also uh, the Spring Boot Java formatter, the Maven plugin that formats your, your code, right? Um, so Phil and, the, and some folks in the Spring Boot team worked on this plugin, right, Phil Webb. Uh, and this is it's a Maven and Gradle plugin. You run it and it formats your code. And it's using, as I understand it, the Eclipse code formatter. I think it is, yes. Which is it's brilliant because I, I've always wanted something like this because what it does is it short circuits any of the bickering you find the infighting among teams about bickering is a good word there. What? Bickering is a good word for that. Yes. Yeah. Nonsense. Like undifferentiated heavy lifting around tabs or spaces. And, and, and I was just having that argument the other day. We were working on some accelerators for, uh, we're trying to contribute accelerators for this new application accelerator in tap and we were arguing over tabs of spaces and accelerators that we Just publish in the, in the go you know the, there's we can always learn new things from other communities right always so we learned about like convention over configuration i think it's fair to say that we can lay that at the feet of the rails community uh circa 2005 right um uh we, we learned about uh i think i think one thing i love from the go community um is there's this go format tool gofm G-O-F-M-T, right? So you run it and it formats your code exactly one way. There's no house style. I like that know. consistency. What? I like the consistency there. Yeah, even if you're, even if you're- uh, Unless they put open curly braces on a new line. That, I, can't, I can't handle that. No, 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 that's, that would be evil. Um, but yeah, but the, but the point is there's just one true way 
And so, so much of the nonsense about this or that just goes out the window. You're just whatever. And so this Maven plugin uses the Eclipse code from it, which is actually imminently configurable, right? There's a million different ways you can do it. You can configure how Eclipse reformats your code in Eclipse itself. But I think Phil <laughs> very pragmatically sought to make this plugin like as opaque as possible. I don't know how to configure anything. I don't think it's even possible. You'd have to build a new plugin or something, right? Uh, and, and so basically it just formats it the one way. The spring way. The one way, yeah, yeah, the spring boot way. And and that happens to be good enough for 99% of the code I've seen, you know, um, and it's certainly a lot lot more approachable than personally asking Jürgen to come in. Uh, and Jürgen you don't often have to ask Jürgen. Jürgen will just come in and change your code if he thinks it's wrong. Oh yeah, true, but I mean, yeah, exactly. Yeah, but most people don't have that privilege. They don't, he's not monitoring everybody's pull requests, just the spring teams, right? Like. Uh, so the, honestly, that was quite nice about Spring Native is that it was off on the side. So it was oh, a right. wild west and I could just do whatever I wanted. I could go crazy with my formatting. Right. Yeah. Um, and that's the thing I like about this. I use IntelliJ. A lot of us use Eclipse. A lot of us use Visual Studio Code. Yeah. Uh, and all of us have pretty good code formatters, but they're not the same code formatter. So this Maven plugin solves that. We can all use whatever the heck tool we want. And uh, the IDEs have gotten really good about pom.xml versus build.gradle. And so now everything I need to work in a different ID is there, you know, uh, what a brave new world. Yeah, but I mean, to go back to what you were saying, I think VS Code is making great strides towards IDE-like behaviors without mm -hmm. getting into that bloated UI that is a bit of a pitfall you can fall into. I don't want yeah. a, a view with 10 different views open around my text editor. I just no. want my code editor to be the center of the world. And if you need yeah. to show me something, show it me in my code editor. Or, or not at all. If it's if, it, if it's not worth interrupting me, then don't, yep. you know, yep. just stay out of my way until I need it. Um, yeah, I agree. That's true. I like code being front and center. And so have you seen the new IntelliJ stuff? They, their IDE, the UI now looks very similar to Visual Studio Code. I haven't seen that. It's stylistic. It's like they changed the CSS for the, for the theme to look basically the same as Visual Studio Code. Um, and I think fundamentally, there's a lot of conceptual things coming from Visual Studio Code, uh, including uh, like code spaces, you know, that are just winners, right? These are great things that I want to see. We're spending a lot of time right now looking at dev containers and code spaces on how we can make good use of those. Yeah, what? Well, that's a great idea. That's that's a developer first uh, innovation, and that you know, that's just Visual Studio Code. Obviously, Microsoft serves a huge community with Visual Studio Code, not just Spring developers, but the the support we've gotten there to make that experience for Spring developers has been unparalleled and I think it's because they appreciate the, the spring community you know so and that's reflected also in Azure Spring Apps which is this incredible uh, incredible platform for building and deploying apps um yeah I mean I guess circling all the way right back around yes app live view is a new component that we're gonna probably be putting in ASA I think we're working on it now am I allowed to say that maybe I'm allowed to say that I don't know all right wait I would normally I would ask you and if you don't know that's a bit of a problem <laughs> I struggle because I'm working on these things day to day, but I never know how far they are through the uh, oh, okay. through chain. You know they they're on some slides as being actively explored. The other one being application accelerator. So, but are they in public slides that have gone out on the internet? Yes. Okay, then that's fine. It's always a little bit daunting if I they had asterisks on them because we're still working on them, and sure, we're yeah. not sure how they'll actually land when we're finished, or what they'll be named, or even if they'll arrive. But yeah. you know. Yeah, we have to put that disclaimer on it. Yeah, yeah. This is a, in no way an indicator of any forward-looking 
Stephen. Yeah, please don't base your products on things I say today. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> don't base anything really on what I say today or ever really. It's just it's just better that way. Um, no, that's great. So Azure Spring Apps is yeah this this enterprise thing. We just we didn't. This is not uh, super new. We talked about Azure Spring Apps Enterprise back in May, right? So. Um, yeah, I was struggling to remember the genesis of ASA, ASC, because uh, I, was, I knew I was talking to you, and I thought, when did this actually start, this whole thing? And I struggled because I've been working with Microsoft for so long. So mm -hmm. on the on the other side of that, the Spring Cloud Azure stuff, where mm -hmm. we were doing the starters for Azure services, I've been doing that with that with them for six years or so, working with oh, Azure. Yeah. And at yeah, some point, it switched into this, this thing, and uh, it's, it's proven really popular. I flew to... Asia a few times to meet with some folks working on that stuff uh, for Spring Cloud for Azure, you know, yep. years ago, right? Like many years ago. And I just, I just think about that. And it just seems so like imaginary because now I'm like, oh, getting on a plane and going to some other part of the world in the pandemic. Yeah. It does feel a little weird. I'm starting to slowly ease back into it, but you know, so much of Asia has been shut down uh, and it's starting to, there's as slowly as the whole world has reopened. I think Asia has slowed, has reopened even more slowly, you know? Yes. Yes. I'm reading that. Which, you know, there's nothing, uh, I don't mean to imply it. There's no value judgment there. Like you open no. up at your own safe speed, please. Nobody's, nobody says otherwise. Everyone's handling the pandemic differently. Yeah. Yeah. So don't, don't let me, yeah. Open up whatever you want. It's not, I'm just saying, I just miss it. I just miss being able to go to these places and work with amazing technologists. Just knowing your itinerary exhausts me. I don't know how you do it. I, I don't, I mean, I do sometimes now, but I used to, it used to be exhausting. That was, that was something else. Do you remember when we used to get on planes? That's why, that's why I even asked you at the very beginning of this podcast, if you're going to be able to. I know. And in COVID, I got used to not going on planes. Yeah, it was nice. It was great. I, uh, although, I you know, it's, we've got, we've gone a long way around uh, when there arrived a day when I was like, I can't wait to get back on the United flight, you know, uh, surprised me as much as anybody. How excited I was to be back on that, you know. I mean, United's a fine airline, whatever. I'm just saying I didn't want to be back on a flight. And I there was a time where I said, I if I never fly again, it'll be too soon. And then after so a I feel years, like that after every single flight. If I fly <laughs> again, it'll be too soon. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, okay, well, I don't know what the I, I think we had some important stuff to talk about, but we just we, we we got we did this other stuff instead, and that was fine. Um what's the takeaway here? Like I don't know. It's, what it's the, there. It's released. Please try it out. Oh, it's is there spring apps? Yeah. Cast your mind back. ASAE, yes. I don't know. I, 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 and if you've I, got your spring cloud apps, they should just run. That's true. Yeah. Um, and of course, I think the, I wonder what the spring boot three situation is going to look like in Azure. Like if you're going to, if there's any platform I trust to be on top of this stuff, it'll be Azure spring apps and Azure spring apps enterprise, right? So that'll be, we are constantly talking to them about compatibility and oh, yeah. making yeah. sure our old, the older version is supported, but yes, being forward-looking as well. Yeah, Super I love that team. It's like having a shadow spring team, you know, a secondary spring team. You know, it is, it is in some ways like that. Yeah, and uh, they show up for the meetings. Like we, you know, we, I've never had one of them say, no, we don't have, we don't have time. You know, they, they show up from, I just love that. And I, and I try to show up for all the meetings too, right? Likewise, the, and I know, I know you do, uh, just, I, this is inside baseball, but I really like working with, it's really great to have this community. And sometimes when, it, when it's just an ongoing thing like this has been, uh, it's pretty gratifying. Um, okay, well, 
Spring one, I expect you can probably learn more about Azure Spring Apps and Azure Spring App Enterprise. I'm sure there'll be some sessions there. I, yeah, and if not, just talk to me. Just find me. I'll be wearing the Spring T-shirt. I'll be in the center of the floor, just on a, on a little actual soapbox, willing to talk to anybody about you know, anything. Spring apps. Yeah. <laughs> That'll be fine. You're and gonna, I might be there. I might be what? there. You will. I might be there. Oh, that's we got you. You heard it here, folks. This is a a solid maybe. maybe. Yeah, a firm. No, I have to meet the rest of my team. I am really. And and the new ones, like we just said, we, I want to see. Yeah, there's some people on my team right now who have never been to a software conference, at all, oh, ever in their life, and I think Spring One is a great first conference for them to go to. I don't know of a better show in the West. You know, I don't know of a better show. Is that true? What's well, a better show than Spring One for the Java community? I can't really think of anything because. You know, this one sits at the intersection of cloud and uh, you know, agile and uh, data and integration and security. There's so much like expertise beyond just running beams, you know? Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's just a really great show. It's just a crazy, crazy rich ecosystem. And uh, you get a chance almost... to catch up with these developers that I've known for 15 years or so. Yeah. Working, working together on Spring. Yeah, exactly. I can't wait for that too. And it's, I do. Uh, Obviously, the pandemic took a lot from everybody. I'm not saying I'm more important or anything, but I, as as happened with so many people, I hate that we, we lost that occasional uh, team meeting. The spring team is geographically distributed. It's always been geographically distributed, but at least we had spring one, you know? Yep. It, it was not actually, the spring team didn't skip a beat when the pandemic, I mean, aside from the usual terrors of the pandemic, but I'm saying in terms of workflow, right? We yeah, I mean, I've worked from home for since I came to Canada. Yeah, likewise. I, I've worked from home since I joined the spring team in 2010. Yeah. Uh, I mean, obviously, I'm never home. Or at least I used to, used to never be home. But nobody ever, I never went to the office. You know what I'm saying? Like, if I was in San Francisco, I was at home. I, went, I didn't go to the office. Um, and, and so I, and it was fine as long as I got to hang out with my friends once a year. So I really miss this show. I really miss, uh, yeah, what you just said, that, that continuity, the community and the continuity. Um. Okay, well, this has been good. Where do people, I, I don't know how to end it because it's just, just uh, I guess this has just turned into a spring one uh, promotion, which I didn't intend to, but uh, where do people go no to- No harm in that. Sorry? I know harm in that. I think there, there is a, uh, a good URL for Azure Spring Apps. Uh, oh yeah, Azure Spring Apps, that's true. I was gonna ask about you. Well, honestly, if you type it into Google, you'll find it. Ask about me what? If you are in on the internet, if you're on the internet and you want to be found, uh, where do people Ooh. go to find you? Where do people go to find me? I mean, you can DM me on Twitter. It's Andy underscore Clement. Yeah. I don't tweet are very often. Direct, are your direct messages open? You can't. You, I thought you just blocked me. I didn't even know that. I said they're open for everybody. Well, else someone sent me a message the other day and I got it. So I think they're open. Ah, I kid, I kid. Um, okay, yeah, okay, Andy underscore Clement, that's a great corner of the internet. Uh, and then of course, spring one, springone.io. Uh, and, oh, wait, 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 actually, I got a, um, don't tell anybody, just, it'll just be between you, me, and thousands of our closest friends, uh, but I got a code that people can use to save money. Uh, which is S1 VM 
22 underscore capital A advocate. So advocate with a capital A underscore 200. And apparently that saves you $200 in the registration uh, price or fee or whatever the word is these days. Are you allowed to give that out? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> I think I did ask. I was like, wait, can I give that out? That seems a little generous. But but uh, but yeah, I got. I was told just blast it, which is great because I like I don't do much well, but being a loudmouth and broadcasting things is one of those few things that I'm not terrible at, you know. Um, so there. So go find that. Go go save money by spending money. And uh, thanks, Andy. Thanks, Josh. I shall see you at Spring One. Yep. I'll be the one trying to avoid having a selfie with you. A Beautiful Podcast is produced by me, Josh Long. I do these podcasts because I believe that everything we do in software is for and made better by people. I want to hear from you. I'm Josh at joshlong.com by email or at S-T-A-R-B-U-X-M-A-N on Twitter, where, of course, my direct messages are wide open. Do you have guest ideas, topic suggestions, feedback? Don't hesitate to reach out. If you like the show, then please consider rating it on iTunes and leaving a review, uh, as that really helps the show. I sampled music from Steve Combs's Them from Morning and Springtime and Steve Combs's Small Victory, both of which are licensed under a Creative Commons license. I'm trying to hire production assistants to make the production of this podcast easier. I want to make sure that we can add things like show notes and transcripts and, and just generally do more. If you would like to advertise on the show, then please reach out to me. Uh, and if you can't uh, or don't want to advertise but would like to otherwise support the show, then please consider supporting me at patreon.com, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash Josh Long for as low as $4 a month. Thanks again. No harm came to any seasons in the making of this podcast.